Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled to welcome back the wonderful Nick Muhammad to talk all about Ted Lasso. And I actually, the, the thing I was really interested in to begin with is when you were playing Nate's arc through season one, you know, one of the biggest challenges was how to make that storyline not peak too early and how to really balance it out episode by episode so that that was that real build and evolution in him as a character. And then obviously with this season, you're kind of facing a similar challenge in, in that regard, but it's very non-linear in terms of the journey he's going on. You know, sometimes he's going in the right direction, sometimes he's going in the wrong direction. There's a lot of push and pull in different spaces. And so how were you able to take a lot of what you learned from approaching that specific challenge in season one into a space where it's a much more complex version of that in season two? Um, yeah, that's good. That's a good question. I think, um, I mean, to be honest, I just asked lots and lots of questions, really. I mean, that was always... The, you know, they're, they're so good at, at planting these seeds along the way. And, you know, particularly with, with Nate's journey, you know, some of those signals are there from season, you know, some of those key points in season two are kind of like hinted at in season one even. So that, you know, often we would get to a scene and they, they would just remind me that this is important because X, Y, Z is coming, even though sometimes I've not read those scripts yet, but, you know, that this was going to, uh, you know, mean something possibly more important a little bit further down the line. So, I mean, yeah, there was quite a lot of back and forth in, in season two. I guess there was sort of an element of two steps forward, one step back. And then there's a definite sort of tipping point, I guess, around episode five, six, seven, where, I mean, certainly seven, where he's being mean and, and, and rude and maybe even a bit of a bully to Colin. And it's the first time I think we're seeing him really starting to sort of scroll through uh, through Twitter, and and you can just see things starting to go to his head, and so that that's that's quite a key point in his in his journey. But then there are there are definitely moments after that where it's like the kind of the Nate that we kind of enjoyed or are more familiar with in in season one kind of comes back, but only just for a moment. And then those moments, to be honest, get fewer and fewer, and 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 it's all dependent on who he's with. I think when he's with. Keely, he he becomes quite almost uh, sort of innocent again, you know, because he's he just doesn't, well he doesn't he's never had any real relationship, but he, he certainly doesn't know how to speak to women, and he and then obviously he then just hugely ruins that relationship by completely overstepping the mark um, when she's just been kind to him and a good friend. So you know he's his own worst enemy, and uh, yeah, he he sort of yeah he he's definitely on a downward spiral towards the latter half of season two for sure. And the seasons, the 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 scenes with Keely are quite interesting as well in terms of Nate's body language. And you know, every time he goes into her office, he picks up like a fluffy cushion and kind of holds it to his chest yeah, as yeah. some sort of like weird pink fluffy armor for himself. And, and he's very yeah. kind of enclosed. Um, what was a yeah. lot of the body language that you felt like was really important to explore? Because he's still in that place of insecurity this season, even with the added power. And then obviously going on that that trajectory that we saw. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's. I guess it was all about him, him trying to sort of, and I use this, this expression in a, in a very kind of broad set. I don't think this expression is a good one, but kind of to, to be a man, like what he, he thinks he needs to do to kind of become the kind of the alpha sort of person or the alpha male in the room, because, you know, a lot of what Nate has experienced, sadly, is a lot of elements of sort of toxic masculinity, not just because he was sort of bullied in the locker rooms by some of the footballers in season one, but also a very toxic relationship with his dad. And so he is, he, he is, he is deeply, deeply insecure. But when he then does get that, you know, ounce of responsibility and 
you know, maybe a bit of adoration from fans because he's sort of doing well as a coach, you know, that very quickly goes to his head. And the only way he knows how to express that is by, is by, I guess, lashing out or becoming a bully himself or, 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 or being inappropriate and, 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 you know, making sort of casual sort of snipey remarks because, that's all he's known and not you know not to condone that behavior but you do often i think there's a a, a reality a sad reality to, to that that often people who are victims of that kind of uh sort of constant almost abuses again possibly not the right word but but people who 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 have very very little sort of worth as a result of others behavior around them then you know when they sort of feel that they've come out of that cycle they end up sort of repeating all the problems that were effectively done on them and they sort of almost feel like it's their rite of passage and it's you know it's wrong obviously it's not it doesn't work out for the best for sure yeah and and it's obviously that's the great tragedy of of Nate as well is that he's repeating these cycles that have been inflicted upon Mm -hmm. him and that's also been interesting in terms of the dynamic with the other players because he moved into this different position alongside them as part of the coaching team and at the end of the day he's also still working alongside people who were re- some of them quite vicious towards him in terms of their bullying. And so even though they're not discussing it, that behavior is not being exhibited by the players anymore. That's still always there in his mind. And that's still part of the fabric of the emotional interactions that he has with them. How did you want that to, to shape some of the dynamics, even if it's stuff that's very much under the surface for him where he's still aware of it? Um, I mean, you know, obviously there the, are the, the bits and pieces that are, are obviously there in the writing, but I think it was always important um, to, you know, to to kind of have that playing at the back of the mind. I mean, the Colin one is a really good example because I think he, you know, there, there is a person who who I think I think Colin genuinely has sort of redeemed himself in a way of that he, you know, I think he genuinely does care for Nate and actually is proud of him when he gets promoted as a coach. And actually, I think the players, all the players, even those who did sort of maybe belittle him. I think that they do realise the error of their ways and actually come the end of season one. I think from those characters' point of view, that has been put to bed. But I think, you know, Nate almost sees it as payback time, you know, to, to a degree. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I think when, then when Nate effectively, you know, singles Colin out and, um, and really belittles him in front of the others, I don't know, Colin does the right thing and comes to um, uh, and approaches him to talk about it. And, you know, Nate just belittles him even more and makes him feel, you know, even even smaller. You know, he he doesn't, you know, doesn't give an inch, does Nate? Because it's not in him. You know, he just doesn't, he, he he's never really known that kind of, I guess, um, uh, tolerance from anyone else really in his life, apart from Ted. And that, you know, it's partly explains his, you know, his big issue with Ted is he feels that Ted was the only person to kind of empower him and someone who really did just come along and just respect him for who he was. And now, you know, Ted has his own reasons, but he just feels completely abandoned by Ted. So he he's just utterly bereft. And I think, it, you know, not that it excuses it, but it partly explains, you know, why he has such a lash out at Ted right at the very end. And he also, he doesn't have anybody that he can really open up to. And, you know, we see that in the club and and I was interested in how you saw his life outside as well. And if you felt like that was quite a lonely, isolating space for him as well, because even the moment where he goes into the restaurant to try and make a booking and he's like, I know Roy Kent, you know, the currency of his position at the club doesn't carry over when he steps outside of those doors as well. And so that's something that he's feeling in the real world as much as when he's at work. 
Completely. I mean, he was. I think. I think again. He he feels that he was almost missold something by Ted in that respect because Ted brought him up to be this like this. You know, he really empowered him. You you know, you've been promoted, but you know, take him out exactly as you say. Take him out of that workplace and actually, it's same old Nate with his sort of stumbling, sort of language and sort of tripping over his words and you know, very uncomfortable when it comes to kind of any you know, pretty straightforward, normal sort of social interaction. And he, yeah, he, 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 he falls at the first hurdle. So, yeah. And it's really interesting though. I mean, this isn't, this isn't any, by any means a spoiler, but because, because we know that Nate has gone to West Ham at the end of season two and we're currently filming season three. And so there is, there is this sort of sense of isolation like for Nate, because obviously I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not at AFC Richmond anymore. Um, And so, and as as an actor, I've been trying to, in a way, trying to sort of use that because obviously I'm not really seeing the people who I've like been spending like the past two years with as much as I was. And so there's a real sense of like, you know, you say the word isolation, but that kind of loneliness. And of course, I'm not really lonely because, you know, everyone's still there. Like and we're still filming in the same sound stages and stuff. But it's just that there is, there, you know, I've been trying to use all that as much as I can in, in real life. <laughs> to try and sort of like put some of that quality into Nate, but he is, he's a, he's a lost soul for a lot, for a large part. Well, for parts of season one, um, uh, but you know, you know, season two, it's really highlighted just how lost he is and how vulnerable he is, I think as well. Right. And then with, with his dynamic with Roy Kent as well, there's also that dynamic of, of Roy has so many things that he wishes he had, you know, he's able to like look to his right. And it's like, now Roy's on the coaching team has kind of taken the position that he had. So he's been bumped down further, you know, Mm. the relationship with Keely, you know, the dynamic with the other players. Mm. And I, I wanted to ask about the scene where Roy comes back on the pitch because, you know, Ted's obviously delighted to see him. They have their little rom-com exchange. Coach yeah. Beard finds that delightful and is very enamored with it. And then you and Roy don't say a word to each other. You know, Roy kind of like touches him on the back and you just nod at each other. And it yeah. felt like Nate had no idea that that was even a possibility that he might be coming yeah. at that point. Was, was that kind of something that was very clear to you? Like, oh, he doesn't even know that this conversation happened and that he could have possibly- Oh, oh, oh completely. I think it's the last It's the last thing he expects. And um, what episode is that? Episode four? End of episode four? I, I think it's no. five, because it's, af- it's after the, the dinner. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so episode five. Yeah, so I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely Nate doesn't see that coming at all, but it's such a, you know, he feels it such a gut punch because, you know, this, you know, so, someone who, and, and I think that Roy and Nate's relationship, particularly in, in, in season one, was a really wonderful one. There was like a real, like, older brother quality to to Roy, you know, you know, he looked up to Roy as like an older brother. Roy is the one who stops the bullying, actually, you know, um, he, he, you know, he reprimands Colin and Isaac for bullying Nate. And, um so, you know, Roy and, you know, Ted, Ted in particular is that sort of beacon of hope in Nate's life in, in season one. But Roy, you know, Roy is absolutely there for Nate. And um, there's a really, there's, there's a lovely kind, there's a lovely quality to that. And um, so it's, I guess it's even sadder that that Nate fees, feels that sort of almost sense of betrayal, I think, because it's Roy, because, in you know, anyone else, or not anyone else, but, you know, wouldn't it have been wonderful if Nate had been really uplifted by Roy joining them and you know them working together and but actually you know his demons are already there and he's he's seeing that as competition suddenly even though you know you can't see past that it's oh this is Roy this is someone who was there for you 
Um, you know, and even like the idea of just working as a team, which is obviously so much about what Ted Lasso is about. He doesn't see that. He just sees right past it. And all he cares about is himself and how that affects his position and what that means for him. And it just, you know, it triggers a whole manner of, of things. And it's no, you know, it's no... Um, uh, no mis- uh, coincidence by the writers that I guess the the restaurant stuff where he's doing all the spitting in the mirror and trying to make himself look tall and bigger and I guess more masculine, you know, to, to try and sort of take take control and that 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 episode is sort of absolutely undercut from Nate's point of view by the arrival of Roy. And and then there's also the complexity of of Roy's response when he finds out that he kissed Keely, and you know there's been that similar exchange that Keely had with Jamie, you know, mm. and Roy was angry but forgave him, and then with Nate he's kind of like it's all right, you know, it's kind of a very non-reaction, and that yeah. again spurs something really interesting in Nate because it also feels like you know, you played that scene in that moment in the immediate aftermath of like, he knows that he oversteps and he knows that he did something wrong and he really hates himself for having done that. Mm. And so it kind of feels like he wants Roy to berate him and punish him because that's easier than him dealing with everything that he's saying to himself. And again, that, that mm-hmm. inner demon was, was that kind of where you saw the trajectory of like, you know, if he just hit me, it would be easier. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, that was so, and we, I remember we talked about that, that, that a lot because when he kisses Keely, it's in episode eleven, episode eleven, and then um, and then obviously this is sort of towards the start of episode twelve, isn't it? So the season finale, and um, and and so I think that they were tinkering with that that episode like right until the end, and um, I remember Brett saying or Brennan saying that they were considering the idea of well, what if Roy is just really sort of almost dismissive of 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 what happened, and we just get we you know and and how from Nate's point of view that that is so much worse because you know it suddenly kind of massively devalues or from his point of view I mean the main point to take from this is that he doesn't have any respect for Keely which is dreadful you know you know Keely's the one Keely's the one who should be who everyone's feeling for at the moment it's not Nate and Nate shouldn't be so concerned with how that looks to him and why Roy isn't annoyed with him he should be annoyed that and you know really annoyed at the fact that he just massively overstepped the mark but yeah the fact that all he can take away from that is I can't believe your boyfriend isn't more mad at me (laughs) It's sort of like it's so selfish and it really, you know, typifies, I think, where, you know, Nate's mindset at that point in, in his in his journey. I mean, he's really at rock bottom at that point because we're in episode 12 territory. So, um, but yeah, it's deeply it, it just it just kind of hammers home the shame even more. And I think it was a really good move of the writers to sort of do that because there's possibly a reality to it that Roy doesn't feel threatened by Nate. He just doesn't, you know. And so um uh and possibly even more than that that he 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 still values Nate's sort of friendship and 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 everything you know, all the diamond dogs you know he he values still Nate he I think I think Roy doesn't really want to see the nasty side to, to Nate I mean lot, lots of people don't it's only really Beard who kind of clocks it you know from episode sort of seven onwards and we can see that he's sort of seeing through this and obviously Ted is you know not blissfully unaware but he's he's completely unaware until well the end of episode 11 um so yeah I think it's just a it's a horrible situation and this season as well you know also deals with a lot of the complexities of of relationships with fathers and when you go back and you look at the exchanges between Nate and his dad in in the moment where he takes his parents out to dinner there's actually very few words exchanged between them we don't actually get to kind of have a full conversation between them Mm. but the fact that his dad is staying very quiet and when he says something it's it's a criticism it's Mm. don't whistle at me I'm not a dog stop talking to to the waitress you know 
Mm-hmm. We're good. We're getting the table. We're going to sit down and have dinner. Like, shut up. Stop embarrassing me. Um, and I feel like that in of itself said so much. And, and given that the, the writers are always kind of giving you those inklings of, of what's coming and, and details of his arc, particularly in season two, how much did you know and how early did you know that that was a lot of the dynamic that was going to come to the foreground in terms of that familial relationship? Because again, the same as the, the dynamic with the bullying with players, that explains a lot of his actions. Yeah, I, I knew I knew enough. I didn't, you know, again, I didn't know, you know, all the, the exact details, but in terms of him having a, you know, a difficult relationship with his dad and that that's, you know, that certainly, certainly formed a kind of a basis of those insecurities and he's sort of slightly mollycoddled by his mum and, um, uh, you know, j- just as a sort of starting point for Nate, I definitely, I, I knew about that and, you know, I knew that we were going to be introduced, you know, see some of that backstory play out. Um, in season two um, but yeah I mean they are they're very fleeting those moments to a, to a degree with with the family I think you only see them in the restaurant and then again once at his home after the after he's done his big win and again the dad just says um, Nate's dad just says something quite condescending about oh they'll put anyone in the papers now I can't remember the exact line um, but where you know Nate, Nate's really sort of proud oh I think that's what Nate says actually to try and bring his dad's attention to the to the newspaper and you know the dad says something about it going to Nate's head, which is actually true. <laughs> but but at that point, um, uh, you know, Nate's, Nate's not really receptive to to what's true anymore. Certainly not from his dad. So they are they're fleeting moments, but I think very I think they're very effective because again, there's a truth to it, sadly. But also, it's, I think there's a real sort of death by a thousand cuts as well element to it. You know, you just know that this has just been Nate's life for you know for, forever. Just whatever he does, you know, there's always a slight put down at, at the end of it. Um, and I and I generally don't know the answer to this. And I I, I hope we kind of explore maybe more of that in in season three because I think it would it feels like there needs to be some sense of resolution, whether it's positive or negative, um, with with his dad. And because of that being the relationship dynamic with his dad, you know, we understand why anything Ted says means so much to him in that way, because he really looks at Ted as, as like a parental figure at this point. And, you know, even when you were talking about his mom coddling him, you know, it's like his mom's still been buying him his clothes. And then yeah. Ted comes along and buys him that suit that he just keeps wearing and keeps wearing. But yeah. I thought the the journey of the suit was quite interesting this season as well, because yeah. at the, fu- you know, he's always worn it with a lot of pride. And then at the funeral, someone makes a comment and he's kind of embarrassed that he's wearing it, you know, and he's wearing a gray yeah. suit. Everyone else is dressed in black for the funeral, but that's the yeah. suit that he has. And yeah. the, the going out shopping with Keely is kind of like just the shedding of this exterior. Um, yeah. And so how did you kind of want to use something as simple as like a costume? as like a real trajectory yeah. of his journey. Well, just what's great. I mean, again, it's just all stems from the writing. You know, they're, they're so kind of clued into everything. You know, it was there was a big conversation, you know, about this suit is going to absolutely, you know, the hair color change is going to track his downfall. His costumes are going to track his downfall. You know, he goes from kit man to a tie to the Gracie that Ted gave him and then and gave him in season one. And then, of course, when when he when he feels he's starting to feel increasingly abandoned by Ted, he's almost wearing that suit. Ironically, you know, it doesn't he doesn't he doesn't wear it with pride anymore. You know, he's he's wearing it, and then as soon as someone picks up on it, he's straight he's straight to get it changed. And I guess it's no there's no you know again no coincidence that he just chooses this black Armani suit, this sort of suit of power really. Um, it's a proper kind of Darth Vader move, <laughs> I think. Um, and you know, it, it slightly mirrors Rupert and and you know what Rupert wears. And um, yeah, there's I mean, all, all that detail is just I I love that because they're just all over it. And um, 
I mean, there are just just a ton of those kinds of Easter eggs when, you know, for every character as well, there is sort of, you know, just, and and I can't go into the specifics now, obviously, but, you know, some of the detail they put in season three, uh, there's just incredible design elements where I'm like, that's so good. And, and you know, literally stuff for the fans to be like, oh, that was in that and that was there and uh, that makes sense. And just some really nice moments. Actually, one thing I can say, which is actually in season two, when we talked about um, uh, Nate's body language um, uh, before when we were talking about Keely and he would often like, kind of be holding like a fluffy pillow and he's sort of almost a bit childlike. Um, there's some, there was, there was some really nice blocking that they did towards the end, every time Nate was in the Ted's office and even like in some of the diamond dog scenes or when they're discussing tactics and stuff, if you, if you look like Nate get, gets closer and closer to Ted's um, uh, seat, um, uh, up until the very uh, in episode 12 when he's staring at the pyramid the pyramid of success um uh he's literally stood behind uh his his chair and he looks at it as he walks past it he, as in ted, ted comes in and he just moves out he moves out of the way for him but i remember them saying oh yeah you know we should this is his it's almost he's found his sort of power place and um yeah he's kind of uh he's lording it over everyone so there were lovely moments like that i mean that that's all really fun as an actor as well because that's just, you know, people just really caring for what they do. And uh, it makes good storytelling. It's, it's nice. It does. And, and similarly to the the suit kind of meaning one thing to him and then becoming very different. Yeah. It, that's also the case in, in terms of how he responds to a lot of what Ted says this season, where he used to just like hang on every single word, you know, like it was a, a gospel that he was hearing. And mm. then it's even things like, you know, when he's, when he's pitching a particular play and even though Ted's like, yeah, let's do it, you know, and he's always got a shtick where he doesn't really understand football still because yeah. he calls it the wrong name, you know, even though his, his move is going to be used in the game, he's really angry about it, you know, and just all these little like whimsical things that Ted says and does like all of a sudden you're you're standing like two people down on the sidelines just like giving him a real side eye for everything yeah um where where did you kind of want to start bringing that in and kind of like gradually building that because again it's like you can see those moments looking back but it totally went over our heads at the beginning because we didn't know where things were going yeah I think um I mean you can track them back quite far I mean there's there's one moment um must be an episode four or five. Oh, it's probably an episode five, isn't it? When they're talking about getting in a big dog to speak to Isaac. And, um, you know, even when Nate offers himself up and, and Ted sort of like laughs at him. And usually that would be, you know, that could be played as a complete joke for everyone to kind of get involved in and for Nate to be like, oh, yeah, no, you know, I'm not the right person. Or whatever he would say in sort of a season one kind of way. But he he he's really hurt by it, is, is Nate. And he effectively walks out and walks into his office and sort of sits down. And, you know, he goes over Ted's head a little bit because Ted has got his own, you know, issues that he's sort of dealing with. Um, so I think I think it's it starts it starts quite quite early on. And I think even in I forget, there's even a bit, I think, in episode one when um I don't know if it made the I can't remember if it made the final cut of what was on 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 tv or tv apple tv <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, you know what i mean um but in the script there's a there's a bit where um they're trying to think of ways to sort of incentivize danny to sort of make him um uh, play better i guess and um and uh, nate just makes a sort of a casual remark about well he gets paid enough like he just says it like that he's and, and i don't know it's definitely in the script i don't know if it made it for the for the edit but um uh and I remember, th- and I, maybe they took it out because they thought it was too much too soon. But there was just this sort of little snipe, and so there were there were little sort of peppered remarks and kind of 
not agreeing with someone, but without saying anything, a lot of it's dialogue free, but a lot, a lot of just kind of sort of sitting back and observing and being like, hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's all in the right, you know, it's all there in the scripts though. It's not, um, it wasn't me sort of <laughs> improvising. <laughs> Imagine if it was, I just improvised the whole character arc. <laughs> they were like, all right, interesting way to go. They're like, he was still Nate the Great, but somehow Nick did this. <laughs> all right, right, okay, Nick, do what you like. <laughs> Also, you know, when when he's having that moment of, of trying to figure out how to assert himself and, and what that looks like for him, you know, when he's in with Keely and Rebecca and he he kind of like starts from here and then he goes to shouting and, and, and he mm. doesn't kind of like have that modulation of the middle space. Mm. And Rebecca's the one to be like, you don't have to shout to assert yourself, you know, bring mm. it down. There, there's a power mm. in this place in the middle. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting in regards to that confrontation with Ted, because he's not shouting, you know, again, yeah. he's, he's using that middle ground was that a very specific choice or did you try different modulations i know you only did a few takes of that scene we didn't yeah we did like two or three i think but we but it was never shouted no i think i think it was always decided that it, it was it was too far gone for that i mean there's a lot of expletives in it which i think hold almost like more power sadly um more aggression because they've been delivered quite pointedly and quite you know there's a there's a real sort of pressure cooker kind of element to it you know there's I've said before but there's you know he couldn't the the only place he could have gone further was to probably hit him which would have been you know obviously horrible and uh not saying that what he says anyway is not horrible but it's um he, he I think he's at peak sort of bad Nate at that point but interestingly I think also at his most vulnerable because as much as all the horrible things he's saying to Ted and saying some home truths and really hurting Ted I mean you can really see I think how oh I well I, I hope that you can see it was my uh, it was all our hopes that that we would make Nate look really vulnerable in that moment. And I, and so I think him sort of saying it in a relatively measured way, but, you know, he's struggling. I mean, he's fighting back tears really in that scene rather than shouting. He's just, he just can't keep it together. And it's, and I love the fact that that's the only scene just between Ted and Nate in the whole season, which is crazy. Just that that was the, the only two hander between them in the whole season and, you know, that's because they're so clever at writing and, you know, they just sort of just drip, drip, drip. And um, until it, you know, and everyone sort of almost feels we just need to have this scene now in the way that the characters are like, we just need to have this out now. Um, it felt very cathartic and sort of genuinely upsetting to do it, but it, it felt like it, it needed it. Mm -hmm. And in terms of that that vulnerability and the fact that he is he's fighting back tears he's trying not to break down in front of Ted and even just there's such heavy intense breathing of like trying to regain control but his body mm -hmm. kind of trying to escape from that um you know it is a conversation he doesn't walk into Ted's office to confront him and to say all these things mm -hmm. he's trying not to say anything he's keeping his back yeah. because he's already yeah. in that space and Ted's the one that kind of pushes him like what's up you know tell me um, and so how did that influence a lot of the delivery as well, that this isn't something that he ever probably planned on saying out loud? Well, I think he probably made the decision to go to West Ham by then, mm -hmm. because I think Rupert had planted that seed in the funeral um, episode, in episode 10. And even though I don't know what, you know, I know what Anthony said to me, but I don't know what Rupert said to me. <laughs> you know, I can sort of guess. I don't think it was a direct offer at that point of like coming with, I think it was a kind of a like, you know, you're doing well and I've, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm here for you kind of thing, you know, this, this, and it's horrible because Anthony's obviously, not Anthony, Rupert is, is poisonous, you know, he's, he's this poisonous quality um, uh, in, in the show in a great way. And Anthony's so great at that. And um, uh, so I think that, I think it's at that half, 
time points when they decide to continue with the false nine and they all go up and do the believe sign and Nate is just, you know, he's he's made the decision at that point. So yeah, he might, he, you know, he was maybe planning to confront Nate possibly later, but certainly not at the point when it happens. And it, and it possibly kind of explains all the kind of the mixed emotions, the sort of the tears that are finally kind of getting to see everything that he wanted to say. His dad's in his head almost, you know, saying you're a fa-, you know, what if they, you know, what if they fail and this was my idea? And I mean, he voices that quite explicitly. He says, and now you want to play my false nine. I've forgotten the exact words, but he, 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 he accuses Ted of sort of going ahead with that so that he'll, it'll make Nate look stupid. I mean, he's just so paranoid at this point. And so, yeah, he's not, he's not with it, sadly. Poor old yeah. mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you were bringing up the fact that he'd already made the decision to go to West Ham at that point because I was I was interested for you in in that trajectory in those in those later episodes. Where do you feel like he made that decision? Where he he was like, this isn't just something that's been planted as an idea. Like I'm I'm moving teams. I know it, and no one else around me knows this yet. I think episode two. I mean, I don't think it's that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like like you know. Like I say, there is there's something is planted in 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 episode ten, and I think that's just more like you know if you ever you know on the lookout for another job, you know I'm always kind of here, <laughs> and I don't think that Nate has necessarily even then the kind of full confidence to think yeah well I'll just leave here and go. I think I think he still there's a, there's a, there's an element of hope possibly right until the end you know and he goes and gets a new suit and and then he blows it with Keely and then Roy not you know, caring kind of is just, it's just more, it's then a series, then quite quickly a series of things like, oh no, no, I know what I'm going to do to get out of this. I mean, I'd have to ask the writers really if they, if they had in mind a specific point, but I don't think we wanted to, it certainly didn't want to kind of give it away too soon. Um, but, but I think it probably has to be from when Rupert mentions it to him. It's as soon as that seed is planted, I think it's there really. And what's so great, again, about the writing is how far in advance they know where they're taking things. And and obviously you didn't know all of the details and the specifics of Mm. of the how he was going to end up at this final place in season two. But this is something that when you were filming the gala scene in season one, I think, you know, Jason was sitting down and being like, this is this is where his journey is going. And this is where. Yeah, seasons two and three, actually. So broadly, he he was like and, and at that point, I don't even think two and three had been commissioned so yeah he they you know they've always they've been very upfront about saying just in general that they see they've got the stories for the three seasons you know whether they do more or not I genuinely don't know but but that they at that point in the incarnation of the show they knew you know that they had three seasons worth of ideas and and kind of character arcs and yeah they you know very broadly outlined what Nate's was and were absolutely true to their words certainly with season two in terms of it kind of going to a much darker place and it being quite testing for the audience I think in that respect um and likewise for season three I mean I know less slightly less because partly deliberate I've kind of like you know there's lots of rewrites and lots of kind of back and forth but I you know let them do their thing and um but the stuff that we've done thus far I mean obviously can't give anything away but it's been very exciting and (laughs) And, you know, constantly surprising. 
I mean, with with that gift of of knowing early on and, and having that much information, obviously, you know, you didn't know, oh, he's going to tear up the believe sign, like the most sacrilegious image of mm-hmm. the entire show at the end. But, you know, in essence, you've taken this character who was someone who showed up with a suggestion box that his niece made covered in glitter yeah. to someone who's ripping up the believe sign. And so because you had a sense of where that's going, were there, were there any elements or seeds that you all discussed even in season one starting to lay? Because, you know, even with Toheeb's journey with Sam, you know, there was like that detail of, of Sam holding Rebecca's purse at karaoke that was an interplay into their relationship in season two. So were there yeah. any similar elements for you? Yeah, well, there's one, in fact, in that, in that, and it was off the back of that discussion where Jay, it's partly because Jason and I were just sat next together in the gala for quite a long time. So when they were moving the cameras around, we we're just chatting and stuff. And um, and I remember in that that episode ends the gala episode. Is it three or four? I can't remember. Three. I can't three? remember. Yeah. Is it one, three or four in in season one. And um, it ends with um, you know, the, all the players kind of getting up and sort of dancing, and everyone's sort of like, oh, this is great. And um. And it was a choice to sort of remain seated. And you can see Nate, um, I haven't watched it in a while, episode, but you can you definitely see Nate just sort of just absolutely observing and not taking part. And I think that the, the, the idea was, you know, the sort of superficial idea is like, oh, well, Nate's obviously too shy. He wouldn't kind of get up and dance. But actually we had a long conversation about how um, Nate has just seen Rupert come up and sort of take control of that gala and kind of completely sort of spin things. And um, we discussed how Nate had sort of observed that power play and sort of seen the, re- the sort of superficial results. And there's an element of Nate being like, hmm, I'm just going to take all this in and let this sit at the back of my head and rot for a season and a half, basically. But that was very deliberate. You know, the, the, that was a conversation that we had really, really early on. And even though it's not played out, you know, it's not explicitly played out at that point. But there are other, you know, just other little signposts, you know, even when he believes he's been fired at the end of season one, you know, he calls like, Rebecca is like, oh, you shrew. You just, and he's like, it's like, well, hang on, you don't, who, why, why are you being, using language like that? He's really nasty. Oh, he can be. Um, it's just that we don't take it, we just, we take it on the head because we take it on the chin because, oh, it's Nate, it's little old Nate, you know, he sort of does a funny little dance. And, uh, but he's got these demons, sadly. Um, and they only come, yeah, only come to the forefront really in season two. I mean, that's that's the brilliance of the character that that we love so many things about him, even when he's exhibiting certain behaviors like that. And, you know, the detailing that you've brought forth in your performance from the writing is, is really, really great. And I hope that we get to see a more positive return for Nate in season three. Thank you so much, Nick. We'll have to see. Thank you so much. Cheers. Love to speak.